talking and what he had what he had done is so all those little words on the side that you know tie this verse back to this verse back to this verse he put it into a chart and it was a massive i mean it was a whole stage so that everybody could see it it was a large auditorium and it started with genesis 1 1 and all the verses that tied 1 2 all the verses that tied just back and forth all the way through there is not one verse in all of these pages that is not linked to another verse to vindicate it. Not one. So in Isaiah 50, not, let's recap a little bit. So Sunday we were talking about the title of this is Arise My Love. And we're I wanted to show you that you are bride and how God loves you. Because if you are bride, there's a revelation that not just comes with seeing that you are bride, but there's a revelation that then comes with all that comes with that. Um, all the power that is then, that comes with it, and the, and the healings, and the providing, and, and everything that comes with the revelation of realizing that you are in the bride body of Christ. So now we're going to get into, I guess, what comes with it. This is more than a consolation prize. So in Isaiah 59, 21 and 60 through 1 and 2, Isaiah talks about uh, he, the light that was coming from, that will be shining through us while this world gradually just gets darker and darker and darker. We can all admit that the world is gradual. It's not even gradual anymore. It's getting darker and darker and darker all the time. But as it gets darker, we just shine brighter. We will be the ones that when, when we get almost to the very last of the very last before the whole bride body is called away, before we are no longer here, people will go, I want what you have. We talked about if you read through Exodus and after, after he was up on the mountain and after he, he saw the burning bush and he was in that presence for so long that he had to veil himself because he had a physical light. We will have that physical light. People will go, why are you glowing? If for no other reason, just need to know what happened? Are you radioactive? Can I stand this close? Am I safe being in the same room? We will have that once we start realizing our rightful place in the bride body of Christ. We are not just somewhere on the outside looking in to see what God is doing. There's nobody here that just well, I'm not part of that church. I'm going to just stand out there. Maybe they'll open the door for me this week. We are just as much as everyone here is part of this assembly. We are part of a larger belief system, and we are part of a larger bride of Christ, being that Jesus Christ is the head, and we are the body that moves this word throughout today's world. So I, I just kind of want to put this in perspective. I'm, I'm, you can say I'm beating a dead horse, but I need everybody to understand 
We are the bride of Christ, the creator of everything, the placer of the stars, the architect of the cosmos. Yet we're ashamed to ask him to heal us, to provide for us, to give us a good day. You go, oh, well, that's not, that's too little. That's too little of a thing to ask for. Or, um, well, maybe I've asked too much. Or that You cannot exhaust the grace of God. You cannot exhaust his healing power. We have proven that through just little things. Sister Sherry, Brother Burley, we all have testimonies in here of things that the doctor said, this can't happen. You're going to die. Right? I mean, look, just, I'm going to call Sister Charity out for a minute. Look at what they told her with her heart. It's never going to get better. You're just stuck with it. You're going to have to do all these things. Right? She's right there. Okay, and we look past these things like we talked about Sunday, we'll see something big and miraculous happen. Maybe you go to a meeting and, you know, there's limbs grown back and people on stretchers that were paralyzed from the neck down, they walk out and leave their stretchers or their wheelchairs or whatever. And you're like, man, this is so great. And you go tell people about it. But it seems like after a couple months, we go, well, I haven't seen it recently. He's not doing it here. So if you say he's not doing it here, why is he not doing it here? Why did you see it there if he's not and he's not doing it here? He is healing here. He is delivering here. Let me just, I'm going to start with that. There's nothing that he's doing in other assemblies that he's not doing here. He's doing in other churches around the world that he's not doing here. To kind of prove that point, um, Brother Sam had talked about there's some people that have been emailing him, and we couldn't figure out how this brother in Africa found this. How did he find Word Made Flesh? So he, he happened to say in an in a email, he said, um, I saw your message on YouTube, and we didn't think, I've even said it, I was like, I don't even really think YouTube's doing much of anything. We're not getting anywhere. You don't see much happening. There's not a lot of movement. But one person in the middle of Africa somewhere happened to turn on and click on faith is the boss. And now he watches all the time. We've added another country to our podcasts. So not only are we in two places in Africa, Belgium, somewhere else. But now in France, we have a listener that's downloading. Now, the, the thing about the podcast is it only counts people that download the message. If they just listen to it, it doesn't count that. So we're hitting multiple countries out of the 20, 30 people that are sitting in this room. So we go, well, you know, maybe he's not. There is no other way. That this little assembly that's two little over two years old in the middle of the cornfield in Bentley, Kansas, that has like 600 population. I mean, we literally raised, when we have large meetings, we like almost double the population. 
We had 70-something people here for one of our meetings. That's over a tenth of the population of Bentley. There is no way other than God that what is said behind this holy desk would make it to all those places in the world if he wasn't pushing it to them. We put it there, but how many other preachers are on the Internet? How many other churches are on YouTube? How many bigger churches that get more traffic? There's 21 of us. And one of our largest listeners on the podcast is in Ashburn, Virginia. Don't know who it is. Doesn't give names, but welcome. We are in his presence day in and day out. Here in this room, week in and week out, twice a week at a minimum, we are in his presence. The presence of Jehovah Jireh. If he did it for Abraham, he will do it for you. In the presence of Jehovah Shalom, he is my peace. The presence of Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If, I'm, if I ascend to the highest heights, you are there. We're in the presence of Jehovah Sidkenu, the I am, in the presence of the day spring, the bright and morning star. We're in the presence of that great I am. And we just go, well, the fan kind of dried my eye out today. Yet we leave here and we fall right back into complaining about money, not seeing how that bill will get paid, how you'll get gas to get to work, how the electricity will get paid, water for those that don't have a well, where your next meal comes from. Where in here does Jesus tell you to worry about any of those things? My Bible reads that Jesus said that the lilies toil not or the birds worry, the birds don't worry where they're going to sleep, where they're going to get their next meal. They just go and live life happy. But us, made in the image of God, Worry about how we're going to get that next thing. How's the electricity going to stay on? God said it will. How am I going to get gas to get to work? I had told you all about it. We were coming back from Claremore, and it was my family, us four, and, and Brother Aaron. It wasn't us four. She was with them. So it was Sam, Erica, and I, and Aaron, and we were in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. I cannot express how middle of nowhere it was nowhere. Um, I'm surprised it was paved roads. Somewhere between Wellington and Nebraska, there was nothing. And we, uh, we had no gas. The light turned on. And, you know, a lot of times when the light turns on, you only got about 20 miles. Um, there's no hills in Kansas. We have bumps, but we don't have hills. And Aaron and I, I just kind of mentioned that uh, we had no gas. Aaron admitted later he was praying under his breath, and I'm praying under my breath. And all of a sudden, we top a hill that didn't exist. We top a hill, and there's just this 
gas station sign. It was closed, but the pumps were open. There was a random house, and uh, we got gas, and we were able to make it home. And it was kind of not so much a joke, but kind of like, can you believe, you know, we spoke a gas station into existence, and then could you imagine if we went back and it wasn't there, or if that was your house and you walk out and there's a gas station in your front yard? You're like, well, guess I'm starting a business. I mean, see, we don't know. There could have been somebody in one of those houses that owned that land that was praying for something to deliver them out of this horrible work situation. And then we needed gas, so God said, you know what? I'm going to get two birds on this one. I'm going to give them gas, and I'm going to deliver them out, and they're going to have a gas station in the middle of nowhere. It's great to have gas stations where there is no gas. People appreciate that. If God is willing to take care of just the lilies and the birds and the rodents and stuff that we don't even care that much about, how much more is he going to take care of you? How many times... Do we have to read, you will never be forsaken or beg for bread? So if you think that at some point you're going to be forsaken or have to beg for bread, then you're saying, I am not his people. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, I am God's people, I am a bride of Christ, but he's not going to feed me. So it's one or the other. We've talked about that, how you can't, it, it kind of seems drastic a lot of times to say you're either serving God or serving Satan. And when you hit that middle of the road where you're like, I'm coming out of this and into this, but you don't want to let go of what's going on over here, you're not under the protection of God, but now you've made Satan mad and he's going to try to kill you even more. But you're not protected yet. So all the sicknesses is going to hit you. Your car is going to get wrecked and break down and all these other things. You're going to, whatever, fall downstairs and your life alert battery is going to be dead or, you know, whatever. It's not going to work out in your favor. You have to let go of this and make it to this before God will protect you. You cannot serve two masters. That's not my words, that's his. Isaiah 6, 7 through 9. I got asked a couple sermons ago if it was going to be, I don't think it was a nice sermon, but if I was going to, step on people's toes and I was like I don't think so and I, I want to tell you I don't try to but I need y'all to see the severity of the situation Isaiah 6 7 through 9 and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips I skipped one then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from, with the tongs from the 
off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Now to me, that sounds a lot like when Jesus was getting ready to come into town and the Pharisees told Jesus to rebuke his disciples because they were everybody there. Everybody's there. Disciples are praising him. People are putting out palm fronds and praising him. And the Pharisees said, you need to correct them for what they're doing. And he tells them almost the exact same thing. He says, you see and you don't understand, or you hear and don't understand, you see and perceive not. Basically the same thing. So why would Jesus say it that way? Why would Jesus so many times, if you read through Jesus' quotes and the book of Isaiah, so many times, all through his life, so why did Jesus say it so much? Because the Pharisees knew this book, this scroll, better than any other one. They knew it inside and out. They knew what Isaiah prophesied about the coming of the Son of Man and the Son of God. And he, he knew, they knew what that meant and they knew what this meant. And they knew when he said, go and tell these people, you hear but don't understand you see, but don't perceive. Now, if you read through the rest of 6, the angels were so loud praising God, they shook the very doorposts of heaven. Heaven is not a crudely built house. Let's be honest. Let's just put this in things that we can understand how loud do you have to be to shake the doorposts of heaven? If those angels could shake the doorposts of heaven, then we should be able to shake these walls with our worship. These walls, should we should be able to test the structure of these walls just by the sound of our voice. I find this coincidental. Brother Doug, when Brother Doug got up here, he said, worship isn't just music. The next sentence in my notes says, worship isn't just the music. I did not talk to Brother Doug since I was just told Brother Doug's leading praise and worship. Okay, that's all I need to know. It's not just the beginning of the service. Brother Branham says that if you douse a man in gasoline and set him on fire, he can't stay still. Yet we have the unquenchable fire of the Holy Ghost shut up in our bones and we sit here like a knot on the log. We hold back our tongue. We be quiet. Why? Because it's reverent. That's what we're taught. 
That's what a lot of us were taught in denominational churches. Last time I went to our old church, Whitwell First Baptist, somebody sang a really nice song, and I went to clap, and I'm like, can't do that anymore. Why? Show me in here where when, G when, when the Holy Ghost showed up, when the presence of God showed up, when Jesus came into town that everybody was just like, Not at all, right? We were made to praise him. We were told to praise him on the drums, on the cymbals, on the timbrels, on the harp, to praise him with our voice. Do we not enjoy talking to those we love deeply? So why not thank him for all that he's done, all that he is doing, all that he will do? Because if for nothing else, we've proven through testimony after testimony after testimony that he is the same God that brought the whole Israelites, the Jewish people, out of Egypt, is the same God that brings you out of your muck and miry clay, is the same pillar of fire that brought that led them by night, is the same pillar of fire that shows up in this very room. So why do we not praise him like such? This is not the direction that I thought that this sermon was going to go when I started the first half of it on being the bride of Christ. But as I wrote my notes and been listening to some sermons, this is just kind of where it went. And... It made sense as you go with, like we talked about, how many of these verses that we've shared have action verbs in them. We, have, we are God's love. We've proven that. So the my love, that is God's love. We are that. So arise and do. He said go and tell. That's another action verb, right? You cannot... Go and tell by sitting still and being quiet. You don't deserve to be here. Hate to break it to you. Nobody in this room listening on the podcast, watching on the video, listening 20 years down the road, if we last that long, if internet lasts that long, nobody deserves to even be walking this earth. You deserve... You don't deserve anything but death. But here you are. He stepped in and saved you. That alone should be enough to worship him, in my opinion. To have eternal life with him in glory. You have the opportunity. Okay. We as human beings have a finite mind. We go, I was born this day. Later on, you die this day. We don't know when that day is, but beginning, end. What, what, what we're saying here is that you had, because God knew you before the foundation of the world, and he has no beginning, and then you have the opportunity to not have an end and to be with him 
and just keep going forever and ever in his presence. Not just the presence that we feel when he comes in this room, but to see him face to face. To not to praise like these angels in Isaiah 6, to be so glad that we are there. What are they praising for? They didn't get the opportunity that we have. They were created to do this. We were created to praise, but we had the fall, and then God came in and he sacrificed himself to give us back this opportunity, yet we sit here quietly every single sermon, every single service. We might get a little excited here. We might sing here. We might do this, but for the most part, this it's not just here. Please understand, it's a lot of churches. I've got to go, like I said, got to go to a, a couple churches here with meetings you look across and the vast majority is just or this looks like an old frog sitting there don't let anyone shut up your praise don't let a rock Take your place. Luke 19 and 40. I've told y'all that if I cannot prove to you what I'm saying out of this book, which I hope is the same book that you have there with you, then I don't deserve to stand here. I should not be standing here. I don't deserve to be here in the first place, but I should not be telling you anything out of my own opinion. Luke 19 and 40 and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So why do we not praise like they were praising? And this is what I was talking about that ties right into Isaiah. If thou hadst known even that though at least in this day, thy day, this is verse 42, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. How many times does Jesus tell the Pharisees, you hear, but you don't understand. They say something about how can you say this, and he's like, I'm standing right here in your face, and you still don't understand what I'm doing. Well, John the Baptist said, well, right? They, they encountered him daily. Almost. Because they followed him everywhere. Because, well, we got to see him slip up, and then we'll have him. Oh, it's blasphemous. He said that he's the son of man. That's why they killed him. Not because he said he was the son of God. They said, oh, we're all sons of Abraham. But when he said, I am the son of man, that ties back into Isaiah again. Right? Revelations 5, 9 through 14. 
me find it. Nine. And they, yep. And they sung a new song, saying, "Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation." And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. Saying very quietly, no. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. When John saw that someone was worthy to take the book, he worshipped so loud that everything heard him. That's what verse 13 says. Verse 13 says that John was so loud that everything in the world and above the world and in the water and under the water and on the other side of the earth and every creature heard him. Do we praise that loud? You go, well, Matt, that's physically impossible. France heard us. Belgium heard us. The Ivory Coast heard us. Ashburn, Virginia likes hearing us. There's other places all across America. Um, it's really cool for me to look at and see that. And that's something that really blesses me that that many places are continually wanting to come back and listen to what we have to say. What God is doing here in Bentley, Kansas. But when we're not here in this room, when you are not here and the music is playing and somebody up here is very energetic, we'll say Brother Wayne's up here and he's dancing and he's telling everybody and everybody's like, woohoo! Do you still worship as loud? Or do you get caught up in, in fanaticism? That's what a lot of it's called a lot of times. They say it's fanaticism. That's why a lot of people got so mad at what happened in Azusa Street when they got so happy. And, and they, they're like, oh, it's just fanaticism. It's the music that's being played. It's not, it's not that you, you can't be that loud. All throughout the Old Testament, 
it says to be loud to praise God. With many, many instruments. And those of us that have been in other denominational churches, we know how churches will split over a piano. Because one group wants the piano and one group doesn't want a piano. But what about the timbrels and the harps and the cymbals? Cymbals are not quiet instruments. They are super loud, especially if you've got the two big ones that you clang together. But you're mad about a piano. Me, personally, I love how a piano sounds if it's played correctly. So how can, or a harp. Harps are beautiful if they're played cor correctly. So we're told that it's just fanaticism. So we, a lot of times, we hold back our praise and we let somebody else tell us to shut up our praise. But Jesus said that if we don't praise, then immediately rocks will cry out. Are we praising as loud as Revelation as John did in Revelation 5:13? <laughs> in the fourth seal, Brother Branham said, Now I know there's a lot of fanaticism and people carrying on. I know sometimes they do it when the music is jumping up and down and everything. And I know that goes, and I believe that too. But I've seen people in the day when as long as the music is playing, everybody was jumping and screaming. But when the music stopped, it stopped. See, I believe, well, that's still all right. As far as I'm concerned, you see, as long as people lives lives right, and but now what you start bringing the word, but now what? You start bringing the word. Now that's the thing that actually brings life, is the word. And that brings the joy of stimulation of new wine, see? Yes, and that's what it was on Pentecost when the word was vindicated. We see a lot of people and growing up in the, or not growing up, but the couple years we were in the Assemblies of God, Pentecostal churches, um, you see a lot of people that get really, really big into the dancing and then play Bejeweled or Candy Crush when the preaching starts. So it's one thing, and this is what Brother Branham's saying. He said, it's okay if you're living right, you get caught up in the music and you worship and you scream and you dance or you run or Whatever the case is, but when the music stops, you stop. What he just said in, in 71, I believe that that's still all right as far as I'm concerned, you see, as long as people lives right. First Chronicles 15. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to bring up some points inside of this so this ties back into uh, it actually ties into a couple places but a lot of it is in there's a shorter version back in Kings and David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. 
For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. And you keep going, and David assembled children of Aaron and the Levites, and he got these people together to do this job, and these people were doing this job, and there's a couple people that their only job is to praise, and these people's only job is to sing. And at one point it talks about Benaniah that was one of his mighty men. So you go, oh, well, Matt, it's not my job to sing, or it's not my job to do this. I'm a warrior for God. Well, Benaniah fought a lion barehanded. He had a spear, maybe. Benaniah was some of the ones that got sent out when it was just a couple of them to go wipe out whole cities of people. You can't get much better of a warrior than God or than David's mighty men, and his job was to sing. I believe it was. All throughout this, it names people after people after people. And in verse 19, so the singers, Haman, Asaph, and Ethan were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. Their only job was to be loud on cymbals. And then if you keep and you do some study and you find out that the house of Obed-Edom, where the ark was, was not very close to Jerusalem. It was out of ways. They had a long walk. And then if you keep reading, it says that David danced. So he went down to get it, and he was clothed in his linens and his ephod, and they start bringing it up, shouting, and with sound of a cornet, this is verse 28, and with trumpets and with cymbals, making a noise, with psalteries and harps. David danced forwards, backwards, spinning around for miles. If David could dance backwards for miles, how much more should you praise and dance when your name is in the book? The seals have been opened. John says in the back that he saw his name. And that's why he was, so, because the, the seals are open. He wasn't allowed to write about it, but he got to see what was in there. He got to see the back of the book where he saw our name, but he saw his name. So once again, you either believe this or you don't. If your bride your name is in the back of the book. If you're not, it's not. So why are you here? If you don't believe what is being preached out of this Bible, if you don't believe the messages that are coming from up here, you don't have to believe me. I'm just a, we've talked about this. I'm a dumb hayseed from the Appalachians of Tennessee. But if I can prove it to you out of this, then how can you tell me I'm wrong? Because if you tell me I'm wrong, when I read you the verse out of here, then you're saying this is wrong. I do not wish anybody, Revelation talks about that, 
you add to or take away from. If you take away from, your name isn't just blotted out. It's taken out of the Lamb's book of life. Brother Sam's talked about what that, what that book of life consists of. So the front half is everything you'll do in your life. The back half is you're saved, you're going to make it to heaven, right? Just to put it bluntly, we'll be fast. If your name's taken out of that book, do you know what that means? You don't exist. He's not just going to take you out of this and say, look at all these things. If you read it, it's taken all of it out. If you take away from this, and if you add to it, every plague that's in here gets added to you. I don't want locusts in my house. I don't want frogs. I don't want my firstborn son to die. I don't want those things. That's just a couple in just one instance. Revelation talks about the seven vials. John just talked about the seven angels that had the seven vials of the seven final plagues. I don't want that put on me. Brother Branham had a vision about being uh, beyond the curtain of time. And in that vision, he saw you there. And you go, Matt, I've read it. I've listened to it. I've read every word that's ever been written down, and it does not have my name. Okay? I just read it a minute ago back there. It's in a couple different messages. But what he says is when he gets there, so he was laying on his bed like with his hands behind his head, and he even says that it wasn't like a vision that he had had before. He said, I've had visions. I had 30 of them last week. It's literally what it says. He said, I had like 30 of them last week. He said, this wasn't like a vision. It wasn't like a dream. It was literally like he was taken out of where he was and put in this other place, and he was now younger. Everybody there was younger. He saw hope. He saw his first wife. He saw a bunch of other people, and they were all younger. And they were saying, these are the people that... You led. And he said, these are not all Branhams. There's not even this many Branhams. And they said, no, these are the people that you taught, that followed you. And uh, so we talked about it Sunday, and I said, who believes that William Branham is their prophet? And everybody's like, woohoo, me. And I'm like, okay, if you believe that he's your prophet, then you believe that his visions and, and this instance are true. So if you believe that that's true and you believe he wasn't lying to you, and, and then you believe that you were there. If you don't believe you were there, then you don't believe you were bride. Once again, you can't have it both ways. So, yes, he did not say, I saw Samuel Lee Webster born in 2011 there. But he said that he saw everybody that caught this revelation. Those that, when he, when he explained it, you go, that makes sense. I can get behind that. I believe that because it was vindicated. 
I believe that because it was proven not just through the actions that were done on the stages that Brother Branham was preaching at, but it was proven through the word and through the angel of the Lord physically showing up. It wasn't just, oh, he's here and everybody else is like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's been proven time and time and time again. So if you don't believe that he's a prophet and you don't believe that you were in that vision, then you don't believe that you are bride and we need to have a talk. It is time to rise up and worship him, not Brother Branham, God. It is time to rise up and take your rightful place. It is time for you to rise up and put in the work for him, to praise him, to love him. We are nearing the end of the race. Are you in or are you out? Choose this day. <coughs> I read multiple verses Sunday. We could do this for weeks on end on how many times we are told to go, to get up, to go talk to this person, to go do this, to go do that. You cannot run a race sitting still on your couch. We are told that we are in a race. There is an end to a race. I do not know the day. Nobody in here does. But you can look at the signs that line up with what's going on in here, and you know we're reaching the finish line. You have to admit it. So what are you doing? God said, Jesus said, through the prophets of the Old Testament, so many times, Go do this. Go do that. Jesus sent the disciples out. And you go, well, I wasn't one of the 12. We went back. He sent 70 more out and didn't name them. So you can't tell me that you weren't tied in with that group, right? This message is not an insult to anyone that came before you. Just because you have a revelation that now differs from what you learned decades ago, does not insult the ones that taught you. We talked about that. Noah could not preach John the Baptist's message, but John the Baptist could not preach Moses' message. You had this, which then stepped into this, and stepped into this. You had to have the steps. You cannot get higher if you do not have steps or a ladder. Look at it however you want to. John was told to come up higher. You have to have the steps of all the church ages, of all of them, of all of the Old Testament, and all of them build upon the next one. And the revelation gets higher and higher. And we talked about Sunday how when you get higher, you see a bigger picture. So if you say, I cannot move on because X amount of people will be mad, you'll never you know what? They'll roll over in their grave if they knew that I believed in speaking in tongues. Sound familiar? I've heard people say it. They'd roll over in their grave if they believed that 
I thought that there was a, a prophet that came to this day and age. No, they won't. They had their revelation, and it was X amount of big. Now you have one that builds a little bigger. And then those after you will have one that builds a little bigger because you say, okay, I was taught all this, and then I learned all this. If we were still teaching in the public school system what was taught in 1901, we would have even more problems in the world than we have today. We have to, you, you were taught this, you learned this, you teach all of this to the next person that then learns more. This is a revelation since the seals were opened. You are a bride. You do what he did. He is in Jesus. Understand this. We talked about that Sunday. You need to see Jesus on every verse, on every page. And if you see Jesus, you see the bride. What talks about Jesus talks about you. Everybody believes that, so now you can't argue with me. You said it right here in front of God. You pray like he prayed. You heal like he healed. You love like he loved. Now, that's a hard one. Well, I love sister so-and-so, but her and I just don't get along. Nope. Hate to tell you. You got to love those that seem unlovable. You have to love those that have done unspeakable acts. I told you about the guy that went to a friend of mine's church that befriended a man that helped kill his son. And they're good friends. They still hang out. And that man got out of prison, but while in prison, the father of the guy, the kid that he helped kill, he was in his 20s, but I call him a kid, went and witnessed to the guy that helped murder his son. And now they go to church together. They go get coffee together. They hang out together. That's love. And that still doesn't compare to God's love for us. But you got to think how hard that would be to have that kind of love that I guarantee you that dad said that his life was ruined from that point on. And then God said, okay, but I need you to go talk to him. There's probably some long arguments at night for at least some time before he finally said, all right, I'm going to go. Jesus saw visions. Jesus spoke in tongues. You want to stand here tonight or sit here since I'm the only one standing and tell me that tongues is wrong, that visions are of the past. These are things that have been said. I have heard them say that visions, people get mad. So we've talked about Brother Ron Spencer. I would love to meet the man. This side of glory. He has visions. He has really cool ones. He said one time he was driving a tractor and he had one, so he had to call up. He's like, and he said it was like he just drove into it. Like it was there and he drove into it. 
which is cool. I mean, I've, I've had some, and the Bible even says that you'll have visions and dream dreams. So then you say, oh, well, no, and these are things that were said. No, that's taken away from Brother Branham. So you're saying that Brother Branham was the only one that could have visions. I don't think that this says that Brother Branham will have visions and dream dreams. Jesus saw visions. Jesus dreamed dreams. Jesus talked in tongues. Peter walked past a man at the gate beautiful and told him to rise up and he was healed. If you read that, and once again I've said, if we just took this verbatim for the words written on the page, don't try to read between lines, just read it the way it stands. If you read that, when Peter walked by and the guy's like, you got any money? He said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, rise up. He never had to touch him. His sheer words, he said, rise up and take up your bed. Get out of here. You're good. The guy goes dancing, right? If you've ever met somebody that had, maybe they had their legs broken for a long amount of time, you have what's called muscle atrophy. You don't just get a cast off after six months and go running around. And this guy had never walked a day in his life. And he's like 40-something. So he's literally skin and bones on his legs. So when Peter said, stand up and walk, within the twinkling of an eye, all of that grew back, and he knew how to use it. Babies have to learn how to walk. You can't just put Ella on the floor and she's going to stand up and start running around the room. This man had never learned how to walk. So it's not just a miracle that it all grew back. It's a miracle that he knew how to use it. Yet we, you have to take action tonight. Don't wait until you feel better or until the weather is warmer or until the sun is shined for just the right amount of time. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do it tonight, right here and right now. How many times did Jesus say, take up your bed and walk, rise and walk, go your way rejoicing? Those are just the ones that are written in here. If we wrote, and this has been said, if you wrote everything that he did, it could not, the world cannot contain all the literature that would be written down. Which is also so coincidental that Brother Doug sings a song about it tonight. If the oceans are ink, and the sky was a scroll, we'd drain the ocean dry and not have enough room to write it down. So you can imagine just off of what was said that we have in writing, how many more times, how many more healings, how many more people did Jesus say, stand up and walk out of here? And you go, oh, well, Matt, that's just, I don't, I'm a, I don't have that. And you just said, and you agreed with me, 
that if Jesus is in every verse, and if that verse talks about Jesus, then it talks about the bride. And if I'm bride, then then it's talking about me. So when it says that Jesus said, arise and walk, I have that same power. Jesus says you will have that same power. Mark 16, we just read it. So either you believe what this says or you don't. So tonight, right here in Bentley, Kansas, I want everybody to agree with me, and I'm going to say it. Rise up and walk in your healing. Whatever it is that you need, tonight, the last day of November of 2022, stand up and walk in it. Walk out of that complex that's dragging you down, that's slowing you down. Find out what it is that's holding, that's standing between you and this close walk with God, that's standing in the way that's pushing him back, and walk out of it tonight. Well, Matt, you don't understand. I've, you, you've never been in this kind of pain. We talked about this. You've never had this happen to you. You've never. You're right. I might not have. But Jesus did. And if every verse talks about Jesus, then every verse talks about you unless you don't believe your bride. So that's where you have to stand tonight and you have to say, I am bride, I am healed, Satan cannot stand. It's not going to get easy. It's not. Satan's going to do, so we were talking about this the other day. When Jesus stepped off the boat to go have a conversation with Legion, they knew when he stepped off the boat because he was close by. When he got up there, their first words were, don't destroy us. They begged for mercy before he ever uttered a word. They knew who he was. One, they were really confused on how all of God got into that little man. Can't, I can't figure that one out, but we know you're there, so don't destroy me. And, God, and Jesus says, get out. And they go, well, can we? And they try to bargain, right? So we, a lot of times, we go, Satan, you can't stand. I rebuke you. Take this headache and leave because every sickness is of the devil. So you say, take this headache and leave, and it doesn't leave instantly. And you go, well, I'm just not a strong enough Christian. I guess my faith is too small. If they're going to try to bargain with Jesus in the flesh, they're going to try to discourage you so that they can win. So you just say it again and again and again and again. And if you read beyond the curtain of time or listen to it, I don't care whichever way you want to do it, there's a whole like paragraph that Brother Branham just says, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. We are victorious. It is your time, Gideon, to stand up and go into the enemy camp and take back whatever he took from you. The enemy cannot stop you. He can't even stand in front of you. Satan is defeated 
You can't stand when you realize who you really are. So if you can realize that you are the bride of Christ, you have the power of Mark 16, you have everything that Jesus had, the miracles Jesus did, you'll do. Jesus said, but greater. If he said that you'll do it, you either believe it, believe it or you're calling Jesus a liar. I'm going to go with believing it. Okay? Don't hold back any longer. If you feel like hollering, then holler. If you feel like dancing, then dance. If you feel like speaking in tongues, don't let Satan tell you that you'll get embarrassed or will think wrong of you. Let me tell you something. If God lays it on your heart to speak in tongues, then he laid it on somebody else's heart to have an interpretation. And if you hold back and don't speak in tongues, the interpretation can't come before the speaking in tongues. So you're stopping somebody's blessing. If God laid it on Michelle's heart after this service to speak in tongues and she holds back and Sister Vanessa has the interpretation and she can feel she's just ready and she's going to go and then nothing happens. Well, now what? Satan's then going to move in and go, you were wrong. You, God wouldn't do that for you. Look at everything you've done in your life. Leaves that door wide open. All because somebody else didn't listen and didn't move when God said move. I have felt in this very room during meetings that somebody was going to speak in tongues. And I've talked to other people and they're like, I felt it too. I just... I mean, I don't know who's going to do it, but I felt that it was going to happen. And it doesn't happen. So once again, you go, well, it just that's just not for me. That's not, I, I don't know what I'm saying. That's the point. I mean, that if you know what you're saying, then that means it's coming from your own intellect. Brother David Mayer talks about one that, Brother Branham had talked about, and there was like somebody got up, spoke in tongues, and it was actually French. Like three people in the congregation wrote down every word. It was all identical, and they all translated from the French, and it was all identical. When he says it, because he speaks French, it sounds a lot better than if I tried to say it, okay? But it's so amazing, and not only was it one person, but three people wrote down the exact words. It was perfect French. But if that person had held back, then those three people couldn't have wrote it down, and then Brother Branham couldn't have talked about it, and then Brother David Mayer couldn't have talked about it, and then I can't stand here and talk about it. Because one person said, I don't think, I don't think that's for me. If God says it's for you, it's for you. It's that simple. Brother Branham talks about how God hides himself in simplicity, and a lot of people go, well, it can't be that simple. I have to do this for salvation. I can't come to church until I get my life cleaned up right, and you're, you're just making excuses because you're scared of what's going to happen to you when you step inside of here. 
You're scared of what God's going to point out and go, you got to let that go. You got to rip that out of your life. Well, I've been doing that for 40 years. Sorry. That's in the way of me and you. Well, I really like that show. Those 30 minutes or hour you could have spent reading your Bible. You could have spent praying. We talked about the sweet hour of prayer. Before Azusa Street, the preacher that did that, that talked about, uh, it was the head pastor, I guess you could say, he, uh, he was praying for a couple hours a day, and then he uh, said, God, how can I get closer to you? And God said, pray more. And he's like, no, wait a minute. I already prayed like three hours. Okay, pray five. And you go, that's a lot, Matt. God tells you to pray five hours, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to pray six. I mean, Jesus said, if your friend asks you to carry, go a mile, go two. So you're going to go more because God's going to give you the strength to go further. Let go and let God take control. What happens when we're holding back? What's really happening on the inner side is we're pushing God back to say, no, I don't want you to take control of me right now. I don't want you to make me look like a fool. Emma and I talked about this one day. I'll call her out for a minute. We were talking about if somebody got up dancing or somebody got up hollering or something, and she was like, she said, if you feel like dancing, start dancing. I'll probably get up and dance with you. The people in this room would look at that as such a blessing that they will join in with you. But it takes one person to say, you know what? You can say I'm a fool. You can tell me that I'm acting like a fool. You can say whatever you want about me. But God told me to dance, and I'm a dance. We were kind of joking about it over at the new building. What happens if the, in the new building if somebody feels like running? Guess you're just going to run in place. There ain't a lot of room. <laughs> Take out the back door, go up the ramp, down the center aisle. We'll figure it out. God laid something on my heart while I was writing these notes. And I read through and I kind of looked at it and we've all heard about it. But the latter rain which is what is going to be poured out on this day, is so much greater than the former rain. And you go, well, it can't, I mean, come on, you had Pentecost. And yeah, but there was only, excuse me, there was only a couple of them up there. In the grand scheme of things, there was only a couple of them up there. There's message churches with more people on a regular basis than were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus said that it's going to be greater for us. We're going to do the same miracles, but it's going to be greater than what he did. You go, how can it be greater? We've had that conversation. So once again, if you're telling me that you don't believe that, if you don't believe that what God is going to pour out after the seals, I mean, we're 40 years past it now. You want to read it? There, Brother Branham has them all. 
on the table app, I know. Uh, Spotify. The blessings that are coming with this revelation of us being bride are so much greater than those before. David did all that and never knew. David didn't know his name was written down in the book. David just knew, I said this, God said he loved me, I made a mistake, I repented, later on God blesses me, and look how he rejoiced. He danced so much that it made people mad. Not just mad. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out the window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. I want to be so sold out to God that people despise me. Why is he so happy? Why everywhere he goes, people feel better? I hate it. I hate everything he's doing. Because they can't explain it. Do you realize that if we got this revelation, we could shut down the hospital industry? You could walk through a hospital and everybody follow you back out the front door. Think about that for a minute. You could have like little hospitals that the medical field just goes, oh, well, you need to go talk to Sister Emma. She'll take care of it. Go talk to Sister Erica. She just healed a deaf guy last week. What happened on the day of Pentecost will not compare to what this bride will do and is doing. God wants to bless his bride. This bride is not one denomination. It is not one church assembly. But it is, it is those of us that are sold out for Christ. When you realize who you are and you realize what's been given to you, you realize where you are in this book, you realize that you don't got to worry about this because you're going to be with Christ. You realize that you don't got to worry about sickness because you can just walk out of it. When you realize that you have the power to move mountains and to tell this tree to stand up and walk over there, when you get that and you wholly believe it, and you can get it from here to here, and you don't go, oh, well, that's scientifically impossible. Well, from everything that I studied, when my mother-in-law got sick, it's scientifically impossible for her to be doing as well as she's doing right now. It is scientifically impossible for the kings to be cured of all the pancreas problems that they had. Scientifically impossible. It's scientifically impossible for people that have been bound their whole life to stand up and walk. It was scientifically impossible for that cross-eyed boy before he even got near Brother Branham for his eyes to straighten up and him be able to see to the point that an eye doctor was like, how'd you hypnotize him? What'd you do? What'd you do from that far away? 
was scientifically impossible for Peter to walk on water. Something I always bring out about that, it said he began to sink. This summer, I want everybody to find somebody with a pool and go step on the water and see how slow you sink. Me, personally, it's pretty quick. I do not begin to sink, I sink. End of sentence. But the Bible says Peter began to sink. That means it was a slow process. Because he just, his faith faltered for a second. And you go, oh, well, that's Peter. Okay, look at all the other stuff. My temper doesn't compare to Peter's temper. And Christ still chose him. So what have you done to say that Christ will not choose you? Read through the hall of faith and tell me that you've done worse than every single one of them. I don't know most of y'all very personally, but I don't think anybody's physically killed somebody in this room. Okay? The U.S. justice system normally keeps you for a couple years. Okay? Moses did. God used him pretty greatly. I mean, I think it's a pretty good, you know, moving of God to take a whole group of people, split seas, call plagues. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. So what have you done that you can sit there tonight or listen to me or look at me through that video and tell me that God hasn't chosen you because you got to get clean up first. Pray and seek God today, tonight. Do not wait. Search your heart and find what stands in the way of you and him, what stands in the way of that marriage covenant, and rip it out. This is a marriage, okay? Those of us that are married, you run into things, and you might get upset with your spouse for a little while. You might do something that I've done a lot of stuff. It's a wonder that she's still, it's by the grace of God that she's still here. But you find out the problem, and you fix it. We do that with our best friends because you don't want to lose your best friend either. So you find that thing that maybe I said something that made him mad. Maybe I did something. Maybe maybe it was something that was said, and I don't even think it was that bad, but he did or she did. Or You find it, and you move it out of the way. But when it comes to our marriage with Christ, we go, he'll figure it out. Now, if, if it's that big of a deal, he'll fix it. You do things, hate to tell you, we do things that come between us and Jesus, that come between us and that walk with God. And it might be something as simple as you read a specific kind of book, and you watch a specific kind of show, and you're like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, we'll just use this. I'm not saying it is. This is not a prophecy. But I like to watch Elf every Christmas. But if God says, you need to take that away, because you watch it too much. In the time that you could watch it, you could be talking to me. What's so bad about the movie? Nothing. But it's where you put it in your life. And I talked about it a while back, 
and it's kind of a slippery slope that you got to really walk the precipice of it. But there are people that put church attendance over who they're coming to see. They put, well, I was in church. Yeah, but did you get anything out of it? Did you actually feel God show up in the room? Or did you just sit there because you had to be there? You had to put in your couple hours a week. There's people that read the Bible like it's a newspaper, and they say, I'm better than you because I've read through it six times. Okay, well, what does it say? You don't got to get deep into it. Just give me the gist of it. And you go, well, Matt, reading your Bible, you need to do that, and you need to come to church, and you need to pray. But yes, when I'm worshiping the Bible and not the one that it's written about, I'm putting that in between me and him. I'd much rather know nothing that's in here but know the author. He can let me, he, he can fill in the blanks. Get tired of hearing Satan's voice. I know I have. I've got real tired of it. Tell him to shut up and move on. Today ain't the day. And you ain't the weak little Christian that you used to be. You are a warrior in God's army. Today, tonight, whatever you want to say, this day, we march. Today, we take back what Satan stole from us. Claim that victory. It's yours. It was done before the foundation of time. Satan cannot stop you. He can bark. He can, he can beg. He can growl. He can snap. But he can't bite unless God gives him that. Brother Doug sang a song tonight that said, uh, there no trial that you can't handle. And we get into trials and we go, God, there's no way I can handle this. But just look back at your past ones. Look back at some of the other things that you've gone through that go, well, I made it through that one. I can probably make it through this one. We are not a weak group of people. But you have to get this revelation of who you are. If you listen to Satan that you are just out here on an island by yourself. John was on an island. I think things worked out pretty well there. We got some pretty good material in the back of our Bibles while John was cast away to an island. But God showed up and met him there. David said, no matter where I am, you'll be. So no matter where you're at, no matter what kind of trial you're in, no matter how much Satan is taken away from you and he tells you that you'll never get it back I bet you brother Burley got told on a daily basis he will never see out of that eye the doctor told him for one and then he has surgery on it and he tells brother Sam that he can see out of it that's that's physically impossible Science dictates that when you have a metal thing shoved in your eyeball that it's not going to work anymore. It's a thousand wonders that even is still there and didn't pop or whatever. Not to get gross for a minute, but think about it. 
There is no way that a doctor should have, they should have, the surgery medically should have been to take it out and put a glass eye in. That's what should have happened to Brother Burley today or yesterday whenever he had the surgery. But that's not what happened. Because our God moved in. And not only is that going to be a testimony for Brother Burley everywhere he goes, but that's going to spread like wildfire. Because I'm telling as many people as I can. I told a random person at work today. I showed him the picture on WhatsApp. I did. Because that's awesome to me. Because you can't explain it. Our human mind cannot explain other than, well, God did it. I think that's a pretty big thing. So tonight, whether it's here while you're in this building, whether it's when you go home and you're by yourself in the quietness of the midnight hours, write down what Satan's taken from you and claim every single one of them because they're coming back if you just believe who you are. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this message tonight. Thank you for using me in such a mighty way to, to, to show your people the victory that they have when they get that revelation of who they are in you. When we realize that we are your bride, when we realize that we, we have all the promises that you gave everybody else throughout the Bible, we have those plus everything that you give us. We are more than just a blessed people. We are more than just conquerors. And I pray tonight that everyone here, everyone under the sound of my voice will take that boldness and march into the enemy camp and take back what Satan stole from them. Satan, I, I, I rebuke you and I cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind you and every demon in the house of hell by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot stand in our presence and you have to respect who we represent. I pray, Lord, that you plant this seed deep down inside of everyone here that when we reach that trial that we cannot see the end of, that we turn back and we think about the victory that we have in you, the songs of victory in Jesus, like victory in Jesus, and that we will move on in that victory because we know that we know that we know you are there with us. I thank you once again for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you continue to do. I cannot wait to see the future of this assembly. I cannot wait to see the future of what you do in my life. You have already done such mighty things, and I thank you so greatly for it. I thank you for the change that I see in all my friends and family. And I, and I just ask, Lord, that you continue to open up this revelation. You continue to ask them and make them come up higher, that they can see more, that they can get a grasp of what you have in store for them, that they can understand what you mean when you say what you say. I ask, Lord, that you open their eyes to let them see this. You open their ears that they may hear you. You open their hearts that they may take you with them everywhere they go. Let them have this understanding that can only come from you. Let them have a power and a boldness that can only come from you. I ask you, Lord, that 
that we take this this boldness that we have acquired here tonight, this little piece of the puzzle, this little piece of the revelation, and we take it and we share it across the nation. Everywhere that we go, we tell somebody. People see that light that was talked about, that light that is on us in this dark, dark world. Let us be the light to this world. Let us stand together to be an even brighter light. Let us... Let us always pray for each other and keep each other in our prayers and in our thoughts and in our minds that when our brothers and sisters do have that weak moment that they can feel that somebody else is lifting them up and holding their arms as they tire, as they praise you, as they worry, whatever the case is. Take that out of their lives and let them know that we are there standing with them to hold them up to put a rock under them for a seat, to keep them walking, to keep them in line like Brother Branham's vision, to, to keep the bride moving in the direction that it needs to go. Let us always seek you first, Jesus. Let us seek your kingdom and what you have in store for us. Let us be so sold out and so in tune with what you have to say that you guide every single footstep. And that we know your voice like a sheep knows the shepherd's voice. Let us always hear you speaking to us. I ask you, Lord, that you bless each and every one here. You be with us as we leave here. Keep us safe. Keep us strong. Let us remember that we have the victory and that when Satan attacks us, we can rebuke him and cast him out. He cannot stand. Now, thank you again, Lord, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen went a little long you are dismissed remember the notes <laughs>